0: What's up, everybody, and thank you for joining us back here on the Boot Sports Network for another episode of Boots to Balls, where we are all warmed up and we are ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage. For you first-timers, I am David Storm, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. And joining me as always. You
1: have Donald Dunn, your favorite super fan, turned into a super commentator, taking you all the way around the state and giving you the best lines known
0: in this entire area. All right. So, Donald, we got to jump right into it. Preseason football, Saints had a big game. We are two out of three games in. Lots of news coming out of New Orleans, so let's just jump right into it. Absolutely. Uh, This past Sunday night, the Saints were in L.A. to take on the Chargers. Not the Rams, the Chargers. They would leave with a 22-17 victory. Derek Carr, lots of the starters. They would sit this one out. Jameis would start and play the first half. Jay Kaner would lead the offense for the second half. The Saints' defense played very strong. Offense struggled to get things going through a scoreless first quarter. It was a stark contrast in the second quarter where we saw a combined 23 points scored. Saints would take a 13-10 lead into halftime after Jameis led a four-play 49-yard drive, ending in a Blake Grupey 37-yard field goal in the final 33 seconds of the half. Jake Hayner would come out hot to start the second half, but penalties would relegate the Saints to an opening drive field goal instead of a touchdown. penalties would stifle the Saints' offensive productivity. Saints had 14 penalties for 141 yards to the Chargers' five for 26. The Saints had eight penalties for just under 100 yards in the first half. And for the second straight game, they committed a penalty on the opening kickoff. That's all right. I know Dennis Allen is paying attention to that. Mid-season form. It is. Last year in preseason, in a 27-10 victory against the Chargers, the Saints would only have eight penalties total for 52 yards. There were some definite standouts on offense for all the wrong reasons. Beyond penalties, receivers making critical drops, including a few in the end zone. One of those, sadly, not unexpectedly, not unexpectedly, rather, was number 11 wide receiver Brian Edwards, who the Saints announced just moments ago before we sat down, that they were going to be waving. Edwards did have some key incompletions during the game. Worse than that, had two, not one, but two, touchdown nullifying offensive pass interference penalties on the same drive that would end in a field goal. Because of those penalties and other critical drops on offense, Saints, only able to post one touchdown, had to settle for five field goals. Saints defense, they played incredible all game, forced three takeaways, one sack fumble that led to the Saints' touchdown, two interceptions, the last of which, for the second straight week, was in the opponent's final drive. This time, it was Lonnie Johnson Jr. thwarting a surging Chargers comeback. Very nice game. It's fun to watch, exasperating with all the penalties and all the rest of it. But now I want to get into my extra points and this is where I want I want your opinion. The Absolutely. Saints are now 2 and 0 in the preseason. Now during the Sean Payton era, I feel like the worst we did in preseason, it seemed the better we would do in the regular season. In this Dennis Allen era, with this Dennis Allen team, are we more excited or nervous that the Saints are doing so well this preseason?
1: You know, as I was watching the game, I think some initial thoughts came over my head, and one of them was the fact that, you know, the performance by these second- and third-string players really reconfirmed to me that you are in good hands with Derek Carr whenever he's on the field. Seeing the production that the Ones gave you at that point compared to what you're starting to see from these second-team players, it's not that they're necessarily going to be expected to perform at the levels of the Ones, but it's just seeing the difference, truly, how Derek Carr creates a smoothness to the offense that allows it to be able to move in a more efficient and effective manner. Now, Jameis did a pretty good job, as he has as his time as a Saint. He never really let the game get out of hand. He never gave anything away in some ways that you might have seen in his younger days back with Tampa, but he truly has sort of Ironed out the depth chart in a way that he is going to be set as a great veteran backup. And this team has a long way to go before it can become truly a contender. But I do believe that the steps are being taken to put them in a good spot to contend and win this NFC South.
0: To your point, we've only seen Derek Carr one drive in two games, and it did end in a touchdown. I'm excited to see if we're going to see any more of Derek Carr this Sunday coming against the Houston Texans. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Um, It is the last preseason game for the year, and lots of big decisions going to need to be made. On uh, Saturday, right before the game, TMZ broke the news. Uh, And I I say it because TMZ, very reputable news organization. organization. Uh, They broke the news via social media that Saints tight end Jimmy Graham was arrested in Los Angeles, quote, on suspicion of being under the influence of a controlled substance and resisting, delaying, and obstructing a police officer. Saints would not take long to issue a statement saying Jimmy Graham, quote, experienced a medical episode that L.A. doctor John Amos believed to be a likely seizure that resulted in him being disoriented. That was a Los Angeles doctor, not a New Orleans doctor. I don't know that there's a a lot of, hey, well, he's got to say that. Discrepancy there, yeah. Right. Pre-game, Dennis Allen said that Jimmy Graham would not be playing Sunday night, this past Sunday, that he was still recovering. No real further medical explanation has been given to Jimmy Graham's condition or the cause of the episode. Donald, what do you think? Is it more Jimmy Graham under the influence, controlled substance? Has TMZ got it right? Or do you tend to lean more towards the, the Saints' statement?
1: You know, at this point, I'm going to have to give the benefit of the doubt to the Saints, and that's purely based off what we've seen. Jimmy is still traveling with the team. He's fully participating in team activities to the extent in which he's able to. Now, we're going to see when these doctor's reports come out, if they do at all. You know, there's only so much you can do, release Uh, as a individual but if we start to see signs that this could be something that truly is going to affect Jimmy and you know there's been many speculations on what type of medical episode it was if this is something that's going to prevent him I think at this stage in his career he'll be happy to go ahead and you know step away from the game if that's the way that's best for his health and safety ultimately you know as he has progressed, and I know he has a lot of other things he does in life, he took this past year off, had quite a good time for following him on social media. You know, he's a big into aviation, things like that. There's a lot of things that you have to make sure that your health and safety is absolute tip-top shape for. And if putting uh, himself on the football field is going to diminish that, I think he's going to take a responsible move for himself and go ahead and step away.
0: See, and here's the thing, and I, and again, when I air-quoted TMZ breaking the news you got to be careful, especially in 2023, where you get your news from. I don't want to go on a political rant or anything. But I will say there's not much news I get from TMZ. Not at all. Um, So I would would tend to lean uh, more towards the Saints. And the fact that they've actually consulted doctors, and not their own team doctors, but other medical professionals in the area. Um, Thanks, TMZ, for telling us all about it. But I believe we'll see Jimmy Graham much sooner than later, get better soon. Absolutely. All right. Getting back to the game again. Saints committed a total of fourteen penalties, one hundred and forty-one yards. Last week, nine penalties, eighty-one yards. But the Saints are two and zero. Can the Saints keep winning during the regular season, committing ten or more penalties a game?
1: You know, it it was unique because some of these penalties, as we mentioned earlier, are some of the more, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, simple. Mistakes such as offensive pass interference, undisciplined, undisciplined, knowing where to put your block, when to cut, things like that. Is this the type of penalty we're going to see from a Chris Olave? Is this the penalty we see from a veteran like Michael Thomas? Will it all translate to the regular season? I'm not sure. But things like holding all of these type of regular, everyday uh, penalties, if those continue to, progress, uh, to manifest and to show up, we're going to have what ultimately is going to be a stipling point for our offense. It's going to cause stagnation. We see this last year, Jameis, and then once the other quarterbacks had to come in, it created a roadblock, which kept us at that 19 points per game, which limited our offense to being in the bottom half of the league. The Saints cannot carry the team on defense alone. We have to have a reputable and honestly top th- top third offense to be able to see any success from the team. So I think if they are able to get their offensive ones on the field, cut down those penalties that are more of the simple mistakes, and the defense is able to hold together a solid game. We've seen improvements in the secondary so far with the penalties. I'm uh, sorry, with the uh interceptions, things of that nature, you know, if we see that continue to improve, I think we have a much better chance to continue this success into the regular season.
0: I agree. And I definitely think uh, when they got back into practice this week, penalties, the number one thing, Dennis Allen, uh, probably first thing on the whiteboard for certain. So this was kind of a fun thing in Los Angeles, right? Now we here, Louisiana, no stranger to tropical weather. We get it seemingly year in and year out. Uh, tropical Storm Hillary, the first tropical storm to make landfall in South, Carol- South California, rather in 84 years, Ooh. rained all around SoFi Stadium during and after the game. How much do you believe that that influenced uh, the the pacing and the momentum of the game? And I ask that because. And maybe it was just because we were watching a New Orleans broadcast, but there sure was was a lot of black black and gold gold in the stands. You know, you start with a
1: team such as the Chargers. All their fans are in San Diego anyway. Not many came up and made the move to Los Angeles. It's really been a struggle for them to fill that stadium. And then on top of that, you have the Louisiana Transplants, who are in mighty numbers out there in South California, they don't really see this as much of an impedance as what they might see from the natives. So they were happy to go out there. I saw tickets were as low as, I believe, 3 or $4 prior to the game. Wow. So getting in the door was very easy. And, you know, if you're only going to get to see the Saints once every other year, maybe every third year, you're absolutely going and you're buying those tickets. So it was really good to see the support of the Hudat Nation out there in Southern California. And really that sort of did give a little bit of a, I'd say a benefit on offense for the saints. You know, there was not as much of that uh, crowd noise. It was a lot able, it was able to be a lot cleaner, obviously didn't translate because the penalties were out through the roof, but you know, it was overall just a great showing by the Hudat nation. They really took care of business.
0: I will say that the, the topography of Southern California definitely has a much varied impact on tropical weather than what we're used to out. Oh, absolutely. Um, They were talking about how, you know, Rains, especially in a lot of the drier areas, once you're coming down the mountains, you have a lot more water that will collect in one area. So, in no way are we trying to diminish anything that happened. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the folks who have lost uh, in in Tropical Storm Hillary. Uh, But I think what I'm trying to say is why I found there were so many black and gold jerseys uh, is because if you get 50 mile an hour maximum sustained winds and four to five locally localized inches of rain in Louisiana, they call that Wednesday. Absolutely. I don't know if it's going to rain like that or not on Wednesday, but they're not as concerned as some folks who have never experienced it. Oh, yes. The first time in 84 years, it was a a once-in-a-lifetime storm for them, but that's got to be disheartening to a team, to be playing in your home stadium and hearing nothing but who that Yeah, I mean,
1: you look at the Chargers team and how they've adjusted since they moved from San Diego Obviously, having someone like Justin Herbert is giving them some boost that they didn't have back when they were still playing. And we'll call it Carson for my soccer fans out there, uh, you know, at the Galaxy Stadium. As they moved into SoFi, they're picking up a little bit of a fan base, but, you know, it's so hard to get a footing in LA, such a heavy basketball city with the Lakers. Even the Dodgers, you know, you were talking about the storm. You look at the pictures that came out from Chavez Ravine, the absolute flooding all the way around Dodger Stadium. I mean, it was really a sight to be seen. And, you know, those fans, you know, the ones that did make it out, you know, kudos to them. They really put it, uh, sort of in risk having to go traverse the waters and the streets. You know, if the chargers really find a way to get a strong fan base, I think they'll come back as they did in San Diego, but it might take a generation to get that type of support they had down in San Diego.
0: I'll tell you what, they made it to the playoffs last season, a strong team in the AFC. They should not have, A hard time getting people to enjoy what they're doing out there in L.A. As I mentioned earlier, Saints had five field goals against the Chargers. Two from rookie kicker Blake Groupie, three from veteran kicker Will Lutz. Saints probably only going to keep one kicker during the regular season. It was suggested Monday afternoon from Peter King. Sean Payton may not be done taking from the Saints. He oh. said that King, quote, wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton showed interest in Will Lutz, who he did bring in to the, the organization. The Broncos currently have Brett Maher, the former Cowboys kicker. He's competing with Elliot Fry, but Sean Payton has said that the team is monitoring other kicking options. So far in preseason, both of our kickers, perfect. Absolutely. Groupie has hit a game winner against the Chiefs. That was a clutch moment. Had some nice kickoffs, but he's only had a long, so far, 37 in a game. Lutz is a proven vet. He's hit a preseason-long 51-yarder last week against the Chargers. If preseason ends today, which kick are you keeping?
1: You know, I think I'm going to have to stick with Lutz. He has a larger body of work. He's seen that he's able to recover form so far through this preseason, not only in the games, but in practice, as he's recovered from the injury that took him out for that whole season. I think, honestly, you have to stick with what's the proven asset. And, you know, no discredit to Blake Groupie. He's done a great job so far, you know, perfect in all of his kicks. He's putting the ball out there as far as he can. And I think he's going to have a career in this league if he continues and finds a team. And, and that gets to the point of, you know, Sean Payton coming in with this deal. The question is, do you get a six-round pick for somebody you're going to cut anyway? I think the answer is yes every time. So, I don't think Mickey Loomis is going to have a lot to think about whenever it comes to what to do with these kickers.
0: So, I I don't disagree with you. I think you definitely keep Will Lutz. Uh, I absolutely love uh, Blake Groupie. And I feel like he is probably the closest thing in many parallels that we have seen to a real-life Rudy uh, out here this way. But... We've not gotten a chance to see, can he execute? If that game winner against the Chiefs was in the playoffs and it was a 53-yarder, does he have that same poise and confidence? He's untested. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Everybody's got to start somewhere. I would rather let a team not in our division, not in our conference, figure that that. out while we stick with the veteran. Um, One man's opinion there. Saints got some relatively good news. This is just kind of a, a bit of a note, some housekeeping regarding safety. Marcus May, earlier today, in relation to his 2021 DUI case, Marcus May has received six months probation, which means he will likely remain available through the season, barring any injury. Um, we are going to uh, take a break here in just a second, but I have one final question for you regarding the Saints. Next week's going to be a home game for the black and gold. It's going to be Sunday night, Houston Texans. Saints and Texans were scheduled to hold joint team practices on Thursday and Friday. It was released Sunday that both teams mutually agreed to cancel practices, quote, in the best interest of both teams as they continue to prepare for the regular season. Now, I didn't think about this at the time that I wrote this yeah. question. Was it mutual? One, And here's why I ask that question, first and foremost. If you're in a relationship that's not working out, you tell your friends, uh, we mutually decided to see other people. But it's not necessarily mutually. Somebody brings it up first. You're talking and maybe you're going, babe, I don't know this is working out. Maybe we should see other people. Or maybe your partner comes to you and says those things instead. So was it mutual? Whose idea do you think it was and Why? Do you think it's in the best interest of both teams? Mm -hmm. And do you think it had anything to do with uh, the tropical storm that was heading into Texas? uh, I think it made landfall Yeah, today. today? Yeah,
1: Um, Tropical storm, no. But what I am seeing from Texans camp is that they are full of injuries. And uh, for a team that already struggled mightily last year, I don't think that they're trying to uh, take any more chances. So it seems like they went ahead, threw in the white towel and said, hey, we'll just meet you on Sunday. Y'all take care of business. We'll see you down there. And, you know, for them, practice, you know, Allen Iverson, practice. They, uh, you know, took the easy route, if you will. They say they're going to rest their starters, kind of get them more ready for the regular season. They're in a weird division this year. We'll see if they'll be able to make any strides. But for the Saints, I think they're perfectly fine with it. You know, gets a few more practices for the fans, maybe go in the Dome, get to do some more exclusive things you don't get to quite do in those joint practices. As I know, the Friday practice is going to be a Dome practice with the Texans. So, hey. More practice time for the Saints to get ready.
0: So here's a point that had not been made yet. The Houston Texans are on the Saints regular season schedule. That is absolutely true. I like not having joint practices with them, regardless of the reason. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, Was it mutual?
1: Nah. Stir in the pot.
0: That's, just, that's me right there. Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of razzle-dazzle, no nah. bells and whistles, nah. not a lot of flash in the pan in the last preseason game you don't want to be practicing against a team that you know that you're going to see later in the season and maybe show them something in practice that you weren't going to use in preseason, but you do intend to use in practice. Exactly. This gives them a lot more time to focus on the penalties to focus on trying because he's Dennis Allen's going to have to trim down that roster yep. real quick. Um, and it's going to give him an opportunity to maybe play around with some of those trick plays that maybe you only see once or twice a season.
1: Exactly. If um, at all.
0: in in preparation for the season opener against Tennessee. That's right.
1: So, you know, I think Texans overall, they're okay sitting it at home. The Saints will wrap up uh, preseason. They'll make those cuts. August 29th is the cut date. So their clock's ticking about one week out from right now, actually. So we'll see what Dennis Allen comes up with.
0: So we're going to come back a little bit later in the program. Uh, We've got to take a look at how we did. We made predictions last week prior to the Chargers game. And uh, we're going to make some predictions Prior to the uh, the Texans game this week, but before we do that, I want to say a very special thanks to our friend of the show, Jay Decody. Uh, but we got to pay some attention to this gorgeous piece of literature right here, from venison griots to coconut chili chocolate tarts and so much more. Friend of the show, Jay Dacody's Louisiana Outdoor Cooking features more than 150 recipes fun and easy enough to make in your backyard while you're tailgating or before the next big sporting event. It also tells the remarkable story of how this Baton Rouge-based chef achieved national culinary celebrity. Fans of the reality cooking show Food Network star might remember Jay Ducote as the runner-up in Season 11 strong showing that would lead to appearances on Chopped, Cutthroat Kitchen, and a lot of other programs, including an episode of Beat Bobby Flay, where he did, in fact, beat, beat Bobby, Bobby Flay. Flay. You can go to com for more information or to purchase Louisiana Outdoor Cooking. It is also available at Barnes & Noble and other fine retailers.
1: And if you're enjoying this show as much as we're enjoying making it for you... You can subscribe to us on all of our platforms as we're coming out now with the full Boot Sports Network to follow up our Boots to Balls podcast. You can join us on YouTube, Omega Sound Radio, OMG, or any of our other platforms, be it Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Maybe we'll answer your question next episode. You can follow us with questions at bootsportsnetwork.com, and that will send your questions directly to us, where maybe me, you, you, me, we'll talk about what you want to hear on this next episode. Remember, you can follow us anywhere at bootsportsnetwork or bootsportsnetwork.com.
0: All right, so we spent a lot of time. There's a lot of big news coming out of New Orleans with the Saints, uh, but we're also warming up for college football kickoff.
1: And we are getting so close. Week zero is here, everyone. We have action across the state of Louisiana. College football is back. But before we get to our friends up in the north part of the state who are kicking it off on Saturday, the nightcap, might I add, we're going to get to LSU, who's been in camp this week, and they've been putting on some real effort as we get into the season. Florida State prep is starting now. It's starting to get to that time of year where Brian Kelly's going to have to set his starters and get his boys ready to go down to Orlando and take care of business. What we've seen from the quarterbacks in this, upcoming, in this previous scrimmage, I should say, that took place on Saturday... You saw Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels go out there, and they really had a show. Now, this was closed to the media for video there in attendance, so we got some stats coming out, loose stats, not LSU official. But it seems like overall Garrett Nussmeyer has done what he's done during his LSU time, and that is throw that ball. Mann was throwing it all over the field, had more total accumulated yards than Jaden Daniels. However, Jaden did prove that he is still the more accurate quarterback, and that's given some confidence to Brian Kelly going into the season.
0: So I like the fact that we have two quarterbacks. Uh, LSU has done well uh, during the Les Miles era with the two-quarterback system. I know that's not Brian Kelly's scheme. Uh, But I think when you have a healthy competition between those two quarterbacks that have varying strengths, iron sharpens iron, steel steel sharpens steel. I think it's only going to work to make them both better. And you're starting to look towards the future of LSU football as well.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of the future, you had some outstanding performance from the freshman running back as well as a few others. You know, you look in that backfield, particularly with uh, overall, LSU has Sage Ryan now moving to the cornerback spot. So that's going to be another strength that they're going to take forward going into this season. You're taking someone who is an already qualified secondary player playing that safety role last year, and you're putting him into a specialized spot. You can think of this sort of you know utilizing maybe a Tyron Matthew Jr, where basically you can utilize him as either a cornerback or a safety it gives you ultimate opportunity to either bring him into the pass rush in the backfield or send him all the way back to cover the deep ball. Having an asset like that is going to add more of a defensive capability for the Tigers, who are going up against quite a capable quarterback down there at Florida State.
0: They are. And I tell you what, not even just against Florida State, but the entire SEC, with the way that things have shaken up, LSU does not have an easy schedule. They don't play in an easy conference. So being able to have the ability to shake things up on defense, to present a variety of different looks, to have a versatile player who can play cornerback, who can be safety, who can cover the deep ball, or who can come in on a third-down blitz. I think that is going to be integral to the success the Tigers have, not just on defense, but wholly this season.
1: Oh, absolutely. And overall, just the Tigers are really putting together these new freshman pieces into the lineup. I should mention that. The lineup for the offensive line is coming together quite well, and it seems like you're going to have the additions with Will Cameron, Emory Jones, Coming in with a few other freshman pieces, that's going to be secure, and you're going to look like having a really safe time for our quarterbacks back there, giving them the time they need to be able to set up and absolutely do damage. But besides that, it also seems as though Damon Ramos, Damian Ramos, let me make sure I'm getting my pronunciation right, has uh, won the kicking spot. So special teams has now been secured, and they're going to uh, you know, send his competition out to do kickoff specialist duties. That little weird college position you don't see in the NFL. But it seems like Brian Kelly has everything under control there at the Ponderosa.
0: You don't know how valuable a kicker is until you need one and don't have
1: one. That's absolutely correct. But we don't always want to always talk about LSU. While they are obviously the crown jewel of the state, the national champion winners – we do want to talk about some other teams that are absolutely at the run of maybe a national championship of their own, and that's going down to the FCS level where we have a few actions going on down there. We wanted to mention Southeastern, who has taken the 15 spot in the FCS polls, and they're in a position to where you know they
0: can sneak up there and you know, make the playoffs and have a good chance to go deep. See, here's the thing about Southeastern. A lot of people don't talk about Southeastern. You don't know how good Southeastern is. Let me put this stat out there for you. Uh, They are poised to make their fourth, fourth FCS playoff appearance in the past five seasons. Coach Scalfo is doing amazing things with the Lions out there in Southeastern this year. I don't think you're looking at a Southeastern Lions team that is going to be last year's two-lane team. Shout out, Producer Brett. Um, But uh, I definitely think that it's a team that we don't want to forget about. No. We don't want to sleep on. Uh, They're... Their division, their conference, rather, um, with teams like McNeese, teams like Nichols, I, I mean no disrespect, not the strongest. No. They stand a chance to do great, great things this season.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you had such a transition go on, I feel like, during the FCS side of things where, you know, a lot of, their big names have sort of left for higher things. Be it Deion Sanders over in the SWAC going up to going up to Colorado, you know. All these teams are going to kind of get to become the darling of the FCS this year. We obviously have, you know, out-of-state your North Dakota states who have been dominant for years. And, you know, in the past you had places like Appalachian State. Who's to say that you can't see a team like Southeastern or McNeese, Nichols, go on this magical run and sort of capture the national media presence and really bring it back to prove that Louisiana
0: is a boot-dominant sport? Say it with me, Producer Brett. Tulane University. I give him so much grief because he is so LSU and so anti-Tulane. But I, you cannot, you cannot deny the magic that was 2022, 2023 Tulane University. And if they can do it, why can't Southeastern?
1: 2-10 and ten to 10-2. Ten and two. Don't forget that. I, I just got to say this. Um... I was the one that pointed out that Tulane does have a potential playoff spot this year, and I hope they do because I want to meet them and keep the rag since what 1983. I want to battle for it one more time and ruin their chances and their hopes.
0: I don't. I don't think. I don't think they. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know yeah. that I want to say what I want to say right now. It's entirely too early. We may have to revisit that point and put a happy little wager on that.
1: Oh, I love the happy little wagers. I would agree to
0: that. <laughs> you heard it here first. Our first boot sports wager.
1: Yes, yeah, special take from producer Brett. But to not get too far away from this upcoming Week Zero matchup, we do actually have meaningful football who is going to be played in the state of Louisiana. That's going to be the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs at home up in Ruston going against FIU. Now, for those of you who have not been keeping up with the magic of conference realignment and all of its great impacts, uh, Conference USA is now a bit of a mess.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Donald. It's hard to keep up with. It is an absolute mess.
1: So as far as FBS football goes, they're now down to nine teams. A few of these teams have come in in the past five years up from FCS. Teams like Sam Houston, Jacksonville State. You saw them in Tiger Stadium a few years ago. And uh, Liberty, yeah, out from Virginia. So, In a league like this that's ever-evolving, that's sort of lost its original character, I went back 10 years to 2013, the majority of those teams are now playing Big 12 or American Conference football. It's entirely changed. Yet Louisiana Tech remains true. And I think it's time for them to remain true to their values that they set up over the past 10 years, which was being the dominant group of five team in the state of Louisiana. Now Tulane fans are going to argue that. ULL fans are going to argue that. We respect that opinion, and we'll get to it later in the season. But you have a team in a weak division, weak conference even that,
0: who maybe could turn some heads later this season? They could. Uh, You know, just trying to keep up with things that are happening up there in Ruston, there's a lot of potential for a lot of magic up there this season. Don't sleep on La Tech.
1: No, keep your eyes peeled. And with that, we're going to go ahead, we're going to send it out to our second break of the day, and we're going to open it up with Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish, and we'd like to give you, they'd like to give you $10,000. Family Promise is an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore, and they can't do it alone. For only $25 from now to December 15th, you can buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. Starting November 1st, they'll draw for amazing daily prizes, and all daily winners remain eligible for the $10,000 grand prize on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better odds. So get yours now at fpstp.org. That's fpstp.org.
0: And we definitely want to send a very special thank you and shout out to Tommy Talley, and the crew over at Echo Tango in the capital city for providing us with this very posh recording studio. Uh, We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Million Thanks. All right. So we got to take a quick look at some other things that are going on around the boot. Pelicans Pelicans news. Their schedule was was released earlier this week. I had to do a little digging. Not, not much. Uh, Pell's last season started five and five which included three overtime losses. One was by one point to the Jazz. Two were uh, losses by three points to the Hawks and Lakers. There was a lot of talk, if you remember, in the early part of the season when Zion was healthy, that the Pelicans could be uh, set to make a run for the top seed in the West. They would actually end up finishing ninth with just over, uh, just over a 500 record, 42-40. and 40. Not long after, maybe like a day or two after all of the schedules came out, Bleacher Report wasted no time in posting their, in my opinion, way too early win-loss predictions for every NBA team. They say the Pels repeat another 42-40 and record this season. Mm. Will the Pels be better or worse than they were last season?
1: You know, there's a simple cop-out answer there, which is, oh, Zion needs to play 60 games, and that's a correct answer. However, if we look at this team, this is now really going to year three with the same core, the same Jonas, Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Zion Williamson core that really needs to go out there and perform. Willie Green has shown that he has the ability to control these players and to get them to do what he wants. However, things have sort of gotten away when he doesn't have his full onset of players. So I look at the schedule that came out this week, and, you know, we start off relatively easy. We have a good, large home game stretch in uh, November there. You know, if the Pelicans are going to take that jump, and I believe they're capable of it. They, they, to me, strike as about a 45-55 win team, somewhere in that range. Zion's going to have to play 65 games. Brandon Ingram's going to have to return to true, voted-in all-star form. Like he was, I believe that was three years ago now, time's flying. And CJ McCollum needs to accept his role as the veteran, but understand he's still CJ McCullum who has multiple all star appearances himself. And with that, the Pelicans have the great opportunity the way how their season ends. They can knock some teams out that are gonna be fighting there. They have Sacramento, Golden State, and LA. Is this gonna be a re you know, sort of retirement season? leading, at least from the Lakers, you know, maybe LeBron goes to play with Bronny, something like that. Can the Pelicans knock LeBron out? He's missed the playoffs three of the past four years. These are the types of things that, you know, we're going to have a unique opportunity to see this team perform on the biggest stage, and I'm excited to see it.
0: I am too. BI is doing some Team USA things at the moment. How many members we got on the, uh, not how many Pelicans, but how many players are on the Team USA. We have uh,
1: 12 players that are going to be playing in the World Cup. And then we had two that made the practice team. So
0: so 14 total players. B.I. is one of them. That's right. He brings that Team USA uh, play capability to the Pels this season. You keep Zion healthy. Jonas Valanciunas is a monster
1: yes and
0: i will will tell you i don't know that the tv does him any favors uh (laughs) as as the pa announcer for the saints i am also the the backup pa announcer for the pelicans i've had the pleasure of calling a couple of games and you're sitting right there courtside behind the table and when jonas valentunas comes in you go Hmm. have a great game like he is he is huge seven foot from lithuania um when he gets going he is unstoppable. You talked about C.J. McCollum, same thing. You get him outside the arch, and he starts to lighten him up. Um, he is dangerous. Dangerous. And a lot of the other players that we have on, on the team as well, I think there is no reason the Pels, Zion doesn't stay healthy. You could be easily looking at a 55-plus oh, win team. Dare I even say 60-65-plus. 60 to 65 plus. If, if Zion stays healthy and gets those 60 games, like you said, I think we could win 60.
1: I'm not going to rule it out. I think if Zion is healthy, you are competing for the Southwest Division Championship. I think that is a lock at this point. Uh, both him and BI are too far along in their careers to be settling for play-in tournament. It's time to do the real thing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about Zion, and it's almost kind of like deja vu. Photos have surfaced this week, and uh, the big offseason. News this week is is him being healthy and and all the rest of that. Last season, right around this time, it was all about his weight and that clause that they ended up putting in his new contract, all the rest of it. Did you see the photos that got released of Zion this week? The man is jacked. Ooh, that is the exact word I have in my notes. Jacked. Like, could compete in the WWE bodybuilding circuit.
1: Jacked. He is going
0: to be an absolute monster if he stays healthy. People are commenting after seeing those photos, they think he's preparing for a revenge season. Agree, disagree? I'd
1: say I agree. You know, a revenge season for Zion doesn't even necessarily have to turn into this magical media darling Duke season that we saw. The man goes out there. He's an all-star lock. He's proven that every season that he's played up until Christmas, he's made the all-star team. He's shown you that he's going to dunk on everybody with absolute disregard. He's proven that his post game is just one of the best in the league, 60%-plus shooting down there in the bottom of the court. The man can truly dominate, and when he has his pieces around him, the Pelicans are, honestly, a world-beater, and they can take on anybody. And that's going to make for some great nights down at Smoothie King Center.
0: Yeah, well, will. All right, so that's our look around the boot. Now we've got to take a look back. I talked about it earlier in the episode. We made some predictions going into the Saints Chargers game. I predicted a Saints win. You predicted a Saints win. The shaking the arms. I said the Saints were going to win twenty to thirteen. You said twenty eight to seventeen. Final score twenty two to seventeen. All in all, combined, we did pretty, pretty good. I would
1: say uh, that's a victory. for I was, boots
0: the balls. I was too off of the Saints score. You. Uh, hit the Charger score dead on. I was four points off. Well done.
1: Absolutely, kudos so, us.
0: So, do we then ride the momentum ahead and let's see how well we're doing? I think we got to do it again. So the Saints coming home as we mentioned, host Houston this Sunday night, seven p.m. kickoff, going to be on Fox, yep. nationally televised. Texans one and one this preseason. They opened with a twenty to nine shellacking of the Patriots in game one. Then they took a 28-3 shellacking at the hands of Miami this past Saturday. Last season, I know, it's last season, Texans were 3-13-1. Dead last in the division. They're looking to rebuild this season. Now the Saints, uh, we're not going to get a chance to see them close up prior to. We talked about the whole cancellation of the the joint practices. It's going to be the last game of the preseason. Don't know how much we're really going to see the starters. Dennis Allen his last look at everybody before having to cut down to the regular season roster lots of backups slow expectations i personally don't think there's going to be a lot of explosivity in this game i think saints win 16 10
1: that's a very safe bet i'm a, i'm gonna go a little bit higher though i'm gonna go 27 to 17 I'm going to pull that 17 number out for the second week in a row. Saints win over the Texans because, look, at the end of the day, if the reports are coming out the way how they are, and this ends up being basically a kicking battle to not go to Denver, um, I'd rather be playing in the air conditioning than in snow for two months. So as my career as a kicker, I'd see Lutz, Groupie, on the mark, going to get us on that three train. So maybe, you know, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, a couple field goals. Saints win 27-17.
0: 27-17. So how do we get to 27?
1: So 27, I think you go up to 21, three touchdowns, three touchdowns plus the extra goals. points. Yep, and then two field goals.
0: Okay, so I like it. The Saints have struggled. That's true. Uh, especially offensively, and we're talking about looking at a lot of the backups. I think you're going to see a lot of, a, of, of Yeah, I, I think you might see a little bit of Jameis. I don't think you're going to see a lot of no. Um, you're going to see a lot of play in time from a lot of these backups, a lot of people that are on the bubble. Yeah. And those are the ones that were making the biggest mistakes in the in the previous games. I'm anxious to see if Dennis Allen curtails those mistakes, how well the team takes to um, his him trying to coach discipline this week. Yep. Um, and And for those players that are on the fringe and on the bubble, they know – They're on the fringe and on the bubble. Are you the one that plays to make the team or do you play with that nervous excitement that causes you to make the mistakes? It is going to be uh, a very interesting game nonetheless. Again, it's going to be this Sunday, 7 p.m. kickoff on Fox, 16-10, 27-17, if you hit 17 again, me and you are going to LaBerge. That's
1: right. And we're we're going to the casino.
0: We're buying, I'm letting you buy my Powerball tickets. I'm I'm going to pick five different runs of numbers, and I'm putting 17 Dang. for the Powerball on everyone.
1: Absolutely. I'll give them all to you. Now, we don't want to leave out the other game going on in the state, and that's going to be La Tech and FIU. 8 p.m. kickoff up in Ruston. You know, late kickoff for Louisiana. We don't really do those 8 p.m. kickoffs too much. you got USC starting before us, for goodness sake. Pac-12 is really falling apart at this point. I'm going to take the Bulldogs here, and I'm going to give a prediction here. They have a Boise State transfer coming in at quarterback. They also were able to get some pieces from Houston as the wide receiver core. This is a team that has the potential to do a little bit on offense. They struggled last year on defense. That was their biggest fault. I'm going to throw a number out here, and, you know, this is just going to be a prediction. We'll keep it going, you know, with some of the major games every week here on the Boot Sports Network. I'm going to go Bulldogs 31, FIU
0: 23. I'm going to catch hate for this one. I think first game of the season, a lot of pieces, trying to put them all together. I think LaTeX is going to struggle. I don't want them to. I don't. I think you will. Um, but I think that they're going to keep it close. I think they're going to keep it very close. I think that you are probably going to see, uh, and I'm going to steal one of your numbers. I think we're going to see about a, a 31 to 27 mm. upset. For the Bulldogs. Well, I hope I'm wrong. I do, you know. And and I tell you what, if you've got hate for me, questions at cool. bootsportsnetwork.com. And we have to keep it honest here, you know. Just
1: because we cover Louisiana doesn't mean we won't tell you that your team is not uh, meeting standards for the state of Louisiana.
0: And, and I don't even think it's it's so much about meeting standards. I just think with all the the obstacles they have to overcome, first game shaking off the rust. Working out the chemistry. I mean, yep. yeah, you've got practice where you do all those things, but this is the first time you get a chance to do it in front of somebody else. Exactly. Uh, and, I, and I think it's going to be tough. But you know what? A one-loss season is not bad.
1: No, not at all.
0: Hey, Brett, how did Tulane do last year <laughs> versus the year before?
1: They sadly did great.
0: <laughs> they went 2-10 and ten to 10-2. Ten you can lose a game, and it's going to be all right. That's it's
1: gonna right. It's going to be all right. Well, it seems like uh, we're here at the end of another episode of uh, Boots the Balls. We
0: are. As I mentioned, look, if you guys want to be a part of the show, we would love to have you as a part of the show. So bring in your questions or your hate for my predictions. Or actually, you know what I would love? I want you guys to make some predictions as well. When we've got games coming up, we've got the Saints game, we've got La Tech. Let us know how you think those teams are going to do. And if you do better than we do, we will definitely shout you out live in the program. Questions at Bootsports.com. Bootsportsnetwork.com.
1: And speaking of that, we just want to give one final shout-out to all the different platforms. You can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, bootsportsnetwork.com. If you're on X, Twitter, what is it called? We don't know. (laughs) Bootsportsnet, N-E-T, you know, short name there. And then over on the YouTube page, Bootsports Network.
0: All right, well, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to figure out what I'm having for dinner tonight. And we look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Boots Boots Balls. Right here on the Boots Sports Network.